Hello, this is Deanna Heron, and welcome to the Deanna Heron Podcast Show. This podcast is created for the woman who wants to be bold in who you were created to be, to shine bright with grace. My goal is to empower you to become the greatest version of yourself through interviews with successful women entrepreneurs, through question answer sessions, and tips from myself in my 22 years of leadership and entrepreneurship. So let's dive in to the greatest version of yourself. Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. This is Deanna Heron, your host of the Deanna Heron Podcast Show. Today's podcast is all about champion mindset. And you guys, being an entrepreneur for many, many years and having a position in leadership, a champion mindset is something that can be created. And I today want to help you create that mindset that will help you get through some obstacles and some difficult times, but also that mindset that really helps you champion up and level up in your leadership. I have with me on today's podcast a special guest that I'm excited to share with you, and his name is Ratu Tungive, and he is a great friend of a great friend, and he has such an amazing story. When I came up with the topic of champion mindset, I was thinking initially the Olympics are happening you know, we are all watching the Olympics and we see those strong mindsets of those champions. The first person that came to my mind was actually Ratu. And so I'm honored to have you on this podcast today. And I know that our listeners, Ratu, are going to get so much valuable information from you. I just want to open it up and have you introduce yourself to everyone so they can get get to know you a little bit before we do a deep dive into that champion mindset that you have. Oh, thanks so much, Deanna. It's um, it's a pleasure to be here, and you know, um, you know, humbling to hear what you're saying, and um, you know, just an honor to you know be able to sort of meet up and mm-hmm. and share, you know, the way that we're we're going to share about you know our journeys, and hopefully help you know, whoever's listening uh, with what, sort of whatever's going on. Um, as you mentioned, um, yeah, my name is Ratu Atlasatangive. Um, I was born and raised in Australia, um, and my heritage is actually Fijian, so both my parents. Mm-hmm. Born and raised in a uh, little Pacific island uh, in Fiji, um, and they both uh, moved over to Australia individually. And they they met each other uh, actually in Australia, and then uh, I was born. I've got um, two younger sisters, uh, a younger brother, and then I've actually got um, how many? One, two, three, four. Four actually older brothers um, from both uh, mum and dad. They're both actually uh, previously married married in Fiji and then they moved over and met each other. So it's a big family. Uh, it was about like uh, eight or nine of us all together. So <laughs> it's a big family. But um, yeah, my, my partner, Victoria McHugh, actually, she's in the, in the album business and she's very, uh, you know, great friends with, uh, with Deanna. So, uh, you know, that's where the connection is. And um, I play rugby. I grew up playing rugby league, actually, but I'm um, living in uh, Scotland now in, in the UK. I've been playing uh, uh, rugby professionally over here with the Glasgow Warriors. So, uh, yeah, uh, we came across in 2016, and uh, we're here now five years later. But, um, yeah, that's the connection. I'm a partner, Victoria, uh, in the album business. So so, uh, that's a little bit about me. So nine siblings, or nine (laughs) of you total. 
none of us all together. <laughs> it's a big family, so yeah, you had to get in, and uh, if you uh, weren't first in at the dinner table, you know, you'd be uh, <laughs> you'd be left with nothing. So it's uh, it always busy. Yeah. yeah so you you really had to really stand out to get some attention in a family that yeah, big. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's a competitive nature just naturally from uh, growing up in a big family. So, um, yeah, I guess I was always on the path of becoming an athlete from early ages just having to compete <laughs> at, at home in a big family. In a big family. Did, so did you, were you born in Fiji? No, I was born and raised in, uh, in Australia. So born in uh, Wollongong, which is a city uh, two hours south of Sydney. By the beach, um, really, really nice uh, city. So, yeah, born and raised in Australia. Okay, and now you live in in Glasgow, in Scotland. Yeah. Um, so, in, in the UK now, I'm uh, playing rugby professionally over here with the Glasgow Warriors. So. Amazing. Yeah. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna brag on you for just a bit because we <laughs> um, we haven't even really officially met. Like I've, I've never even, yeah, I've never even had the opportunity to hug his neck, but I know his fiance really well. And so I have, I've actually heard lots of stories about you through Vic and have watched you from afar. And really what I see is just, and, I, and you know, she tells me stories of, of ways that you coach her and you're such an amazing partner to her. Um, and I just think, wow, he has such a strong mindset for a young a young man. How old are you? Uh, just turned thirty in April. Just so, turned thirty. Yeah. yeah, such a yeah. strong mindset. And I think, you know, a lot of people believe that we are born with a, a certain mindset, a champion mindset. I don't believe that's true. You and I share some similarities. In yeah. the way that we, you know, our upbringing and some obstacles and struggles, et cetera. And if you're comfortable with that, I would love for you, I'd love to just hear about some of the things that you were able to overcome. Yeah, definitely. I, um, so we, like I said, we grew up in a big family. So mom and dad, the typical like Pacific Island, you know, nations are, you know, uh, very poor, you know, the currencies like, you know, um, sort of minimum wage over there. Um, so mum and dad, like I said, were both previously married and basically moved to Australia to, you know, find a better life to be able to, you know, um, themselves and then, you know, hopefully raise a family, um, you know, with what, uh, to be able to provide, you know, what they didn't have growing up. So um, they both moved across and then, um, how do you say, like, uh, my, my dad didn't finish, uh, like, high school. So he didn't have any like higher education, and mum, same thing as me. She came. I don't have any brothers and sisters. Mum, I, I think she had more than. I think she came to like a, a family of thirteen, actually. So, um, yeah, big, big families as well. Uh, Pacific Island families are naturally just you know big families, but um, you know they both moved to Australia just to provide for a better life, but not having you know um, second like uh, secondary education or so just basically finding you know entry level jobs uh, in Australia. I mean, like I said, there's, uh, there's four of us uh, with, you know, my mum and dad, but then obviously having all the brothers from mum and dad's previous marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can understand that the maybe just making ends meet and, like, mm-hmm. not even that, you know, to be, to be able to provide for us all. Um, mum, on the back of that, dad was basically just working, you know, a lot of, like, 
cash in hand jobs where you just be getting you know paid you know cash um, yeah. like off the books and um, you know mum was basically like I guess you could say like the matriarch of the family basically you know providing for for us all and um, the real the real breadwinner. Um, uh, fast forward to my, my brother and I, maybe like 16, 17, even earlier than that. We both you know grew up playing rugby league in Australia. And at the ages of like 15, you know, and 16, you sort of start um, uh, signing your first, you know, semi-professional contracts. And even at that age, we were already, you know, well, even before playing sport, we'd be working and, you know, contributing to, you know, the bills and everything at home. And um, then we'd both be uh, training and everything um, and signing, you know, our first semi-professional contracts at the, the age of like 16, 17. That's all we wanted to do, you know, as kids is, is, is be athletes and, and play rugby league professionally. Um, but then there was also all that added pressure of being able to help financially, you know, that's also like a, a part of like, you know, the Pacific Island culture, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's very like a, uh, much a village mindset where it's, you know, everyone looks after each other. It is a beautiful thing about, you know, the Pacific culture, but then it can also be, you know, incredibly detrimental, um, which I'll touch on a little bit because is that, unsaid expectation, you know, that the family is always there expecting you to, you know, provide financially. Um, so, like I said, you know, fast forward to when we finally, like, signed our uh, sort of first uh, semi-professional contracts, mum was, as you got to understand, you know, uh, incredibly, just had so much on her shoulders. She ended up uh, developing, a, you know, a really bad gambling uh, addiction. You know, she was kind of, um, the word that comes to mind is ironic because she tried to protect myself and my brother from having to um, uh, financially provide at such a young age and have that pressure on our shoulders. But ultimately, she ended up just making things a lot worse because she tried to make ends meet by you know taking her paycheck and and, and you know going in and gambling to try to you know cover the bills and everything. And we'd speak to mum and be like, look. We're making, you know, a little bit of money to be able to help out and it's enough to be able to, you know, cover, you know, rent and everything and all the expenses. And she's like, look, look, it's not your responsibility in that. And I can understand that she was trying to protect, um, you know, us, but, you know, um, made things a lot worse by trying to cover things, you know, uh, by herself. And it was always just, you know, so frustrating because you wanted to help, um, but, you know, like, like I said, mum was trying to protect us, but mm-hmm. um, was doing the exact opposite, if you will. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, uh, a little bit, uh, I guess, about the family side of things. Um, so at the time, I was I was 19 um, and I was studying. I was studying, uh, I got into to university and I actually got into studying law. So I was studying law and I'm very much about the minors. Mm-hmm. Um studying a double degree like in law and it's it sociology. I always wanted to do psychology. Um, uh, I don't know why I just knew growing up. It's just the way that's the type of person that I am. And I guess, you know, well, I'm just so like far into like, you know, uh, personal development and, you know, the, the mental side of things with sport, not just sport, you know, work and life, it, it applies to everything. Um, but yeah, I'm starting a public time, which was uh, law and sociology. And then I was actually training full-time. I'd signed my first professional contract full-time. Um, 
with the West Tigers, a team in Sydney. And uh, my older brother was, he was one of the next sort of big names coming up in rugby league. Um, he, he had a big money contract at the, uh, at the Sydney Roosters. But um, nobody knew what was going on at home. Um, you know, we'd be getting, I'd be getting calls at training, you know. And even now when I look back at my hotline, that was a lot to deal with, like for anyone, let alone like, you know, a 19-year-old kid. And I felt like an adult for so long because, you know, like I said, we've been helping out, you know, with things. We were just naturally helping out from, you know, a young age. But um, we'd be getting calls at training from, you know, um, the landlord and the real estate agency saying, look, you guys are, you know, months behind in rent, um, you know, and they didn't want to you know, kick the family out into the street. But it was just so much, like, at the time I didn't realize, like, but so much like stress and anxiety. Like I, I, um, I'd be at training and I wouldn't even be able to just focus on like, I'd be in team meetings and I'd just be sitting there and I'm not there, just vacant and just, and, and again, it was like, um, it was quite normal. Like, well, I thought it was normal at the time. Like, you know, everyone else like helps out and all that. That's, that's all we knew. Um, so, you know, I didn't speak to anyone. My older brother, we just didn't know how to speak to anyone about it. And, you know, obviously the staff and all of that, you know, the welfare staff and that that you can access, but, you know, we just uh, we just didn't have to speak to anyone um, at the club. You know, fast forward like a few years after that, I'm sorry, like a year into my first professional contract, I had a shocking year. I, was, I just didn't do it like, uh, I dropped out of like my university degree and then was, you know, I signed a two-year deal. And um, this is like probably like one of the, the biggest moments in, you know, career and life like for myself was um yeah i had a bad year like uh, for, for obvious reasons and i thought look i'm going to just you know flush that let it be like you know water under the bridge i'll take on the next year of my professional contract and go from there i'm not going to do the uni it was too much to try to balance everything and you know just come ahead and, and, and have a, a good season you know the next season so i turned up to the first day of um training and everyone's getting you know all of the new uh new uh, kit for this season. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their bags and their names on it and everything. And I'm looking about and like um, uh, my bags, like you know, there's no my, my my kit's not there. Um, and my our team, so the club manager came up. He's like, hey man, can I just can I just speak to you for a second? And like you just know, like you know, like I could tell, like you know, by his body language and his, I'm like, this is not good. Um, he's like called me up into the office. He's like, mate, has your agent not spoken to you? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, mate, we've, um, we've terminated your contract. Oh, wow. And <laughs> wow. I, I, I was like, I, even now, like, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, that's, no, he's like, surely would have spoken to me. Like, uh, that's like, and he was like, he obviously felt bad. Like, you know, that's how I was finding out. And, you know, I, uh, I didn't, um, I didn't know what was going on. So I just like, called my agent straight away. I was like, man, what's going on? And was like, look, uh, for whatever reason, like he, he hadn't gotten in touch with me. And so I was like, I think the first person I called was um, my previous coach from like my under, I'd played under 20 the year before uh, with the Canterbury Bulldogs. Um, and then I signed my professional contract with the, the new team, the West Tigers. I called my uh my How Canterbury old were you, coach. Ratu? How old were you? I was I was nineteen. Yeah, I was nineteen. Wow. So, um, yeah, I, I called my my coach. Um, I was like, wait, wait, 
is there any chance of me like you know coming back on like i'm literally like at this time like there's no money in the market like everybody's spent their salary caps like there's no deals like and i'd heard nothing from my coach i'd, I'd spoken to no one and you know i like nobody really knew what was going on um and i didn't really like no, I think about it, like I don't think like my extended family, like you know, uncles and aunties and cousins and everything. No one really knew. Like I didn't, you know, it's not guess something that you, you know, go uh, go around speaking about. But um, yeah, the first thing I thought was like I'm going to call my, my my coach, and I went back and was just playing. I wasn't playing for any money. Um, you know, uh, back with the the Canterbury Bulldogs. Um, but I ended up um, what happened there? I was yeah work so. I was uh, playing with the Kennedy Bulldogs, like earning no money really. I was working like um, delivering furniture, you know, just to pretty much still just to help out to keep everything at home afloat, you know, to you know make sure that you know I've got like you know two like I said two younger sisters and a younger brother that really just didn't want you know them to be you know kicked out of the you know the home, um, you know, and and mum was you know just just again you know just trying to cover everything just on her own and. Um, yeah, I, I was just working um, and just playing. And it, again, like I look back now and I really realize like how much I was struggling, but I didn't, didn't know how to like cope at the time or like speak to anyone. Um, and then I ended up just going AWOL basically. I I didn't speak to the to my, my trainer and my coach. Um, and I basically just looked and said, look, I'm not earning enough money here. Um, and... I just need to get out of city. I moved. I moved down to Canberra. I ended up working. I applied for a job at um, uh, at one of the hotels in Canberra. I was working as a hotel porter, just like you know, delivering everyone's luggage around to their uh, to their rooms and everything. Um, and it was I was making more money just working full time, you know, in a hotel than you know, play trying to you know continue to chase the dream. And um, one thing I, I re- realized now looking back as well is like I was just burnt out, like just emotionally, like. Mm-hmm. The, spiritually like everything i just you know burning the match at both ends um and you know i'd I'd be out you know every other weekend you know with with friends and everything you know just just drinking you know just that was you know i was quite like resentful to you know to my parents and everything and you know it was quite it's you know it was silly obviously like like i'm just gonna like not like speak to them and deal with them and i'll just go out and just you know drink and that you know that, that obviously wasn't helping i just made things worse um, so I ended up just moving away from, from, uh, from Sydney, moved down to Canberra and then that's how Victoria and I ended up uh, meeting. So it's crazy, like how things work out, like, you know, that, um, you know, had everything, you know, it, is, it does sound so cliche, but it, it is true. Had everything not sort of on the way that it had, I would never have moved down to Canberra like Victoria mm-hmm. and I would never have met. So, um, like I said, here we are, like 2021, all these years later, you know, things, you know, whether we realize it or not at the time, like things are just unfolding, I guess, the way that they needed to. And it was just like, why? There was a lot of like, why? I mean, like, one thing that I thought about, you know, earlier as I was speaking, like, I'd, I'd see my friends, you know, going out for like every other weekend. And, you know, um, the parents, like, you know, like laughing Victoria about this, like, you know, uh, paying for like phone bills and that. And like, like yeah, just not help out, like, you know, bills and stuff. I heard was that. And like, no, and I'm like, oh, like just just assuming that you know it's everyone just sort of like you know that's just how everyone's like drawn up and so like we would go out like how do you guys afford to go out every week and like you know I'd I'd be going out like you know my friends just to just you know that um 
escaping from the, like a toxic environment at home and I have no money going out and I'd look like, I don't know, I've got no money to come out there, but like, that's fine, like, you know, we'll, we'll look after you and that, whatever. Um, but I, I, just, I would always like, be, I guess, somewhat like bemused as to like, ah, how the heck do you like, all these other friends have so much money, you know, at that, at that age, but obviously like, you know, like, not everyone has the, you know, the, the same upbringing and I guess the extent of the amount of pressures that we had at home, but like I said, I, I went AWOL, I left from the Bulldogs, I didn't speak to any of the coaches, I just didn't know how to, and I was like, I just need to get out of this environment. But then I moved down to Canberra, and I, I was, that's where I met Victoria, I was working in the hotel, um, and then I was still sending money back home. Um, then it got to a point where, it was actually when I met Victoria, because I was like, it's funny, because and Victoria said the same thing about me, I didn't care how much it, it affected me, I couldn't put that on someone else, like, I, I'd never had a partner, like, like a girlfriend or anything, um, growing up, I was always like, I don't know how much my parents struggle. I just want to, you know, just study or like, you know, make a career for myself. And then, you know, I always ever uh, thought like, you know, a relationship would be like a distraction. Um, but then meeting Victoria, it's, it's, it's so funny. Like I said, I was just all the escapism and, you know, trying to get away from everything. Like I'd not seen the other side of the coin or like what a relationship would be to have somebody to share all that pressure and, um, just speak to about everything. And she's probably like one of the first people that I spoke to is like, you know, uh, <laughs> so she's from like a very like, you know, well-off family mm-hmm. and um, two very like different part, like very, two very different upbringings. And one of the first questions she asked me was, um, um, she was like, why don't you have a, like a, a car like to drive to, 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 to work in that? Like you, you just catch a bus around. And uh, I sort of chuckled. I was like, oh, like, we definitely come from very different, <laughs> very different worlds. Like, but that was just like you know the innocence of, like she was just you know um, genuinely, um, you know, just just asking the question. Um, but yeah, I. Um, so it's interesting yeah. because, um, <clears throat> I mean, we do have we have we have so many similarities <laughs> because I did the oh, same yeah. thing. I went to university for a couple of years and just you know I was out on my own by 18 self-supporting etc and it was a lot of pressure you know it's a lot of pressure to grow up at I mean I actually grew up a lot earlier than that but at 18 I was fully you know self-supporting and so um I left college for a little while and learned to party (laughs) and um but, you know, so we, we share some similarities in that. And one of the things that I see with your, with your upbringing, what a difficult situation yeah. you were brought up in because it's part of the heritage of, yeah, exactly. of your family for the children to help provide as well. Yeah, exactly. It is. And then how can you have dreams of your own when you're – you are, you know, helping to provide no, you know, no slam on your parents. That's the way that they were raised as well. And so I can see how perhaps a lot of people that, um, have dreams, their dreams go by the wayside because they're spending the majority of their time helping to support their family. Yeah, and that's exactly why, you know, I said, you know, I alluded to it earlier when I said, you know, it's the best and the worst thing about the Pacific Island mm-hmm. culture where it's, you know, all for one and one for all. And then 
you know, you have a dynamic where you, your family, it becomes an unset, unset expectation. And that's when it becomes toxic because, you know, if you're not able to voice how you truly feel, it's just like, look, you respect your elders no matter what, whether you agree or not. And that's not healthy at all. And that's, you know, I guess one of the stigmas that you try to break. And I guess it's not really um, unique to just a Pacific Island culture. It's, it's with anyone, with your parents. Like, you know, your parents obviously have expectations of what, you know, they, they want for you. And you've got maybe different plans. Like, you know, you want to do something else. And it's that fear of like, you know, finally like, you know, speaking up and like, no, look, I actually want to do this, you know, with my life. And that can be, you know, um, a glass ceiling for a lot of people. And it was for me for, for a lot of time, uh, for a long time, um, you know, in my life. And like I said, it wasn't until I met Victoria um, that I finally sort of like, no, look, it's like I said, I didn't care how much it affected me. I'd, I'd, I'd uh, you know, do anything to help my family. But then, you know, understanding how unhealthy that is and everything. And then not until it was, potentially going to affect someone else. And I was like, look, that's, that's a little bit rough. That, that's not going to happen. So, so you obviously at one point you made the decision yeah. to go after your dreams where I could see, mm-hmm. um, many people probably didn't have make that decision because of the expectation. Yeah. And you're right. It's just like society today in the u.s our parents have certain expectations for us and sometimes we live under those expectations and we never really go after what we want exactly the champion mindset in you you decided to live your life and at what point did did that happen for you um how do you say like it feels like it's a literally it's a blessing in disguise like i say you know i was working at the hotel as a hotel daughter. Have you ever heard of um, maybe motivational speakers? Probably not the uh, maybe, maybe that's the way to, to categorize him. Have you heard of a, a guy called Les Brown? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. so I'd listen. I'd be working every day um, at the hotel, and I'd, I'd have like you know my, my earphones in, and I'd be just going through like you know the hotels and everything, and um, I'd, I'd be listening to I listened to him for about I don't know maybe like how long I was working there like definitely at least like six to nine months like straight every day just i'd listen to the same things like once i get to the end of the catalog i just listen to everything again you know while you're working and um when i met victoria um yeah that that's that's probably like to answer the question is um you know the point where you know made decision and i called mom i was like uh hey mom like and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> i was like quite uh that's the word I was quite, um, <laughs> I was tiptoeing around the conversation. I was like, mm-hmm. so how are you? Well, it's good, it's good. Um, she's like, uh, what's up? You You sound like, you know, quite, uh, you know, uh, standoffish. And I was like, oh, no, not, not, nothing. And again, this is you know, indicative of the culture where, you know, there's a lot of uh, subjects, you know, like sex, like, you know, um, alcohol, speaking about, you just don't speak about things like, you know, a lot of, um, Subjects are quite taboo, so I, I've never really like spoken to mom and dad. Like you just never have those conversations with mom and dad. Again, again, maybe it's not uh, uh, unique to just like you know the Pacific Island culture, but um, anyway, I was uh, uh, trying to tell that you know Victoria, <laughs> like, um, and then she knew she knows me. Like you know, she's like, did you meet a girl? <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that obvious. And she's like, well, she's like, I know you, I know my son, I've known you all, all my life. And I was like, yeah, look, I, I met a girl down, like, you know, here in, in Canberra. Um, 
and yeah, look, I, I asked her out, and um, you know, she's and you know, all the rest of that, and um, she was just smart, and I could, I could, you know, it was just over the phone, but I could just like, I could, uh, I know that she was just laughing and just smiling, and um, so that was a nice moment and everything, but that was the start of almost like drawing the line in the sand because a couple of weeks later, you know, I'd met up with um, uh, Victoria's dad and he'd sort of had the conversation with me like, you know, hey, like, you know, you guys have been going out for a while, like, you know, where do you see yourself? But, you know, that sort of heart conversation, you know, with uh, with her dad. And then for the first time ever, like, uh, I did speak to Victoria, but not to, to be like, you know, uh, I spoke, when I spoke to her dad and I was like, look, this is, you know, this is why... We just had a copy and I, and I shared everything with him and I, you know, I had tears coming down, basically everything that I just I spoke to you about. And he just sat there and, um, yeah, he's just, just his reaction, like he was just, he just put his hand around me and he just hugged me. <laughs> um, you know, for the first time in a long time, you know, for myself, like a father figure there, you know, to be able to hold your hand through everything. And what we knew was the right decision is I, like a week, like, like maybe even a couple of days later, like I was in the hotel, in the office, and, you know, um, found a time where, you know, not everyone was on lunch and that, and uh, called mom and same thing, like, over the phone, like, uh, I just had, it was just, like, just a stone-cold silence, and I just didn't really know how to say it, and it's just like, mom, look, um, you know, I can't continue to, you know, help out. It's not even helping out. Like, you know, we're just, what are we doing? We're just, you know, and it was a, for the first time, you know, ever that we, you know, had a real and honest conversation. Mm. Um, you know, things have just been swept under the rug in there so much because that's just the culture and the upbringing and everything. And the thing is that mum knew, like, her, it was just like a, like, a, letting a, all the air out of the room, like, all the pressures, mm-hmm. like, just off. And, like, mum knew straight away. She, she was just like, look, yeah, look, I, I knew, I know this is the right thing to do, but, like, we just, you know, had, mm, no one's really ever said anything. And, um, it was just, yeah, like I said, such a relief and we all on the same page. And that was, you know, I get to answer the question, that's really where, you know, made the decision to um, stop, you know, um, you know, living, you know, your life and, you know, for these, you know, whatever you want to say, like, you know, patterns and expectations that everyone has for you and, like, really be like, no, look, I need to start doing stuff for myself. And that was, like, really the first time um, like, you know, line was drawn in the sand and boundaries were, you know, like healthy boundaries mm-hmm. were set um, and an honest, honest conversation was had is, um, you know, you can do or listen to all the, you know, Les Brown podcasts and all the rest of that and, you know, do all of, you know, um, you know, your routines and everything every morning, but if you're not willing to put it into practice, it was just going to count for nothing. So, um, that was probably the most powerful, um, you know, move that really just got the ball rolling, you know, to here we are now um, in, in, in uh, the UK. In, That's uh, amazing. So you, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to rec- recap a couple of, of important things that you said because I want to make sure that everybody hears what you said. Mm. So two things that you did, and I don't know how old you were when this happened, but listening to Les Brown, so you had that playing in your yeah. head every single day for nine months. Yeah, yeah, how, yeah. Powerful powerful words that you were hearing, positive affirmations, I'm sure, and just um, giving you the desire to get to get back in the game. You know, you just knew I've got I've got to get on with my life. So it was 
filling your mind with great things. And then mm-hmm. you had you had someone mentoring you. Vic's husband, yeah. you know, was mentoring. Yeah, mentoring you through that process to give mm-hmm. you the courage, which was so courageous yeah. um, to yeah. to set to set those boundaries. And what an open, honest conversation you were able to have with your mom. And that, that was yeah. never talked about. And I'm sure the yeah. pressure that you felt was just absolutely yeah. relieved. And how old were you? Yeah. How old were you when you uh, had that conversation? Uh, I think it was being like 21 or 22. Yeah. So it wasn't too long after my professional contract. Um, yeah, it was only like a couple of years after um, all that stuff happened where I turned up to training and then I found out that my contract was, you know, the free, I'm sure the freedom that you have had for the last nine years, because yeah, yeah. you are living your life with your own expectations has been yeah. transformational for you. It has been, it has been. And it feels like, you know, for the first time ever, like, you know, I literally remember that, you know, like it was just yesterday, like you first time ever that you're, you know, living life on your terms. That's, and, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I want that for my children, <laughs> you know, yeah. to to have that freedom to live their yeah. life, not by the expectations of their parents. And sometimes they don't even realize that they think, yeah. you know, we don't have expectations, but sometimes, you know, kids think my parents expect mm. me to do this. And the yeah. freedom of just going, hmm, I'm I'm I believe that there's a contract that has never really been signed by my parents saying yeah. that, you know, this is an expectation. Yeah. And I think that was the, um, the relationship that you had with your mom at that time when she was like, gosh, you know, I know that this is what has to be done. And, mm. um, so beautiful, so beautiful. Mm. And so then what happened at that point? Did you go back, back into so, like, so I, I started playing rugby, uh, rugby union. So, like, I'll explain it like, quickly just for, like, people that aren't familiar with the sport. I grew up playing rugby league, like, all of my life. Like, my older brother and I, we, we, we grew up playing rugby league. But there's uh, also a sport in, in Australia and, you know, the UK and all around the world that uh, is very similar but different, which is rugby union. And that's what I play, now play. And I, um, uh, I... I was playing like rugby league for a local team in Canberra, just playing, you know, just locally getting back into it. Um, and I ended up making a, a highlights reel. And then the, the professional rugby union team in Canberra at the time, they got a hold of the, the footage and they invited me in to train for the year. Um, and these are like some of the best players in the world. Like, you know, play for, you know, the international team in Australia, you know, the, the Wallabies. So I was invited to, you know, go in and train with them. But, you know, I was working at the time four or five nights, you know, a week behind the bar. Again, you know, it was foot late. You know, and then I was balancing that with, you know, playing uh, rugby league locally. But I was had another opportunity to have, you know, a second crack at, you know, realizing my professional career, like something that you've always wanted to do as a kid, but in, in a new sport, which is very similar, but it's also like very different in a lot of ways. Um, to everything that I knew growing up, um, I basically, yeah, had to give up my job. Um, and I was and the thing is, I wasn't getting paid for it because I was just, you know, extending an opportunity for me to be able to learn the sport. Um, so I went from, you know, 
um, working four or five nights behind uh, the bar to uh, basically playing for the training with the, the professional team and like not earning any money. And Victoria and I, at the time, you know, we'd saved up, you know, enough to be able to um, put a deposit in like an apartment that, you know, we'd, uh, we'd moved into an apartment t- together um, at the time. Um, and again, you know, I guess a lot of that wouldn't have, obviously wouldn't have been about like mm-hmm. able to do, you know, had I not had that conversation with mum, but um, yeah, we were living in an apartment. And so we had to have some very like real conversations about, you know, this is again, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity, like, you know, it's the door's been opened again to have a crack at chasing your career, but it comes at the expense of half of our, our um, income at home yeah. is, you know, going to be gone. And, you know, we've just, you know, uh, brought a place together. Um, so we, we had a lot of conversations like that. And like I said, it was like a huge blessing to have, you know, um, Victoria's dad there, Stephen, and, you know, uh, both the parents, obviously, um, to be able to hold our hand through all that. And um, said, look, have a look at it this way. Like, you know, it's a, like I said, a second chance at you know, chasing a childhood dream. Um, so Victoria ended up picking up two extra jobs. She was uh, working uh, two extra jobs. And that's, this is exactly how she got into Arbor because she was just burning the match at both ends trying to, you know, make ends meet at home. And you know, just like, this is just non-sustainable. Like there has to be another way to be able, you know, to make things work. And so that's how she ended up getting into Arbor. And obviously, you know, that was the vehicle for her to be able to earn passive income and not, you know, try to do 80 hour weeks, but, you know, burning yourself out. I had some very, like, I had a conversation with, with Stephen. I said, look, um, you know, this isn't fair on her. Like, I, you know, I need to go back and study and, and, and work. And um, he, like I said, you know, thank goodness I had, a, like, a, a, I have a, a just an amazing father figure there to be able to, you know, his life experience of just seeing things. He, and he had a conversation with me. He said, look, I was, was it, uh, 25 at the time? He was like, realistically, you know, if you don't have this final crack at it, I just know you look back at your life and be like, you know, what if, why? I just don't want that for you. You know, like in Victoria was at a AHC farm in, uh, in America and uh, I was like, oh, this is this is not going to go down well. Like, I, you know, I don't feel like it's it's fair to her. And like, you know, Stephen was quite stern. He said, look, Victoria, I think it's a great opportunity, you know. Um, and she, she was like, oh, I don't she, and like, rightly so, she was just like, you know, so, um, you know, fed up with having to, you know, work, you know, uh, she's feeling like she, you know, got the short end of the deal, you know, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And, uh, you know, she, we had the conversation, she came around and was like, look, you know, go for it. Um, so I ended up, you know, doing the year with the Brumbies and then I uh, had an opportunity to go and play with the team in Sydney. So living, I went back to Sydney. And I was playing our rugby union in Sydney. We were living uh, apart. I'd come back and then visit, you know, for the weekend and then go back and work behind the bar in Sydney and, um, you know, play um, for the team in Sydney. And then again, just made uh, some footage. And then one of the guys that I was playing with in the team in Sydney, he was actually on a gap year from Scotland. And he did a little bit with the Glasgow Warriors. And he was just by chance, by chance, <laughs> um, playing in the same team as me, and he shared the footage, and then the first coach got a hold of it, um, and basically off the back of that, offered me a three-year deal. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, um, 
you know, one thing that I will say from all of that is, um, you know, again, you know, he had the, the, the blessing of having someone like Stephen, you know, with his life experience to be able to say, look, do this and all of that. But, you know, I believe in like, you know, you make your own luck, you know, had, you know, not had these hard conversations and made things like, you can't control everything. Like you can just do what, you know, you, you have to do and like just keep going at it. And, you know, um, things just fly. I don't know. I feel like when you're just doing things, then, you know, um, from a, uh, a place of just, you know, good intentions and being honest and having those honest conversations with mom and Stephen and everything and like, okay, putting things into place. Like that's the best that I could have done in it, that any of us could do it in any situation. And then things just have a way of like, you know, working themselves out. Call it like, you know, coincidence, call it serendipity or whatever, but, you know, you, you, you make your own luck, right? You do make um, your own luck. And, and I 100% agree. I, and, you know, as I lead a team, one of the things that I share with my team is, you know, God can't bless what you're not doing. And so yeah. unless you are moving forward in the direction of your dream, yeah. doors are not going to open for you. And that's ex yeah. that's exactly what happened in your life. And you had, you know, you had the motivation in your head. You had the right conversations. You had yeah. two amazing people that believed in you. Yeah. And so many times we think that if we don't have this solid group of people that are, mm. you know, supporting us, that we're not going to be able to make it. You had two. Some people mm. just have one. Mm. One person that supports them. And then you had the desire to move forward towards your dreams. Mm. And yeah, the doors start to open. That's such an incredible story. I love that. I uh, I grew up going to church and that all this, like uh, as well. Like Christianity is a big part of the Pacific Island culture, and you know when you're saying like God can't bless what you're not doing, like one of the things you know, mom and dad uh, always said to us uh, growing up is um, quite similar to that. But it's do your best and God will do the rest. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So proud of you, Ratu. That's such an amazing yeah. story. Um, yeah. You know, you had you had two directions that you could go in life yeah. and you know you could have stayed in the direction of you know not living out your dreams but you chose mm -hmm. to live your life and that's that's mm. pretty amazing uh, not under the expectation of anybody else but um mm. you know we all are created for a unique purpose yeah and yeah. you're you're living you're living out your dreams, your heart's desire, and your in your purpose. So that says a lot about about who you are. Are there other ways right now today in your life that you choose to maintain that positive mindset? Do you still listen I, I, to um, podcasts, etc.? Yeah, I do. I'm uh, I'm uh, listen to well, I'm you know I don't listen to the Les Brown ones anymore, but I've actually had um. Jay Shetty's, uh, there's one that he did with um, uh, Joe Dispenza. Mm -hmm. I've had that one like on like re repeat in my, like, and it's just so in depth um, and there's so much to take in and digest. You know, I, I for one need to listen to, you know, to pick up stuff that I've missed. Um, but same thing, you know, it's like, um, you know, if I fix something that's not broken, you know, it's, uh, I basically just, you know, listen to that. You know, every day from like wondering about like you know going to the shop or going for a walk or whatever, like just plug that in. And um, 
you know, there's there's other people like someone like Gary Vaynerchuk, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Jay Shetty, uh, Joe Dispenza. Um, there's a, a a guy called uh, the Dr. Jordan Peterson, uh, who's mm-hmm. in uh, yeah, he's an American uh, lecturer and uh, psychologist. Um, you know, he's there's stuff that um, yeah, his audio books and, and whatever else. But just basically having stuff in your head to all I'm really saying there is um, controlling what you let, you know, what, you know, news and everything that you're taking because it's so easy just, you know, to, to scroll and like I'm, I, you know, do it like myself and, you know, uh, making a bit of a, <laughs> a deal with playing of Victoria's like, you know, get up in the morning, like, you know, don't touch your phone for like, you know, the first like half, half hour, whatever it is in your day and, um, you know, just, take time to just, you know, have time for yourself and do whatever you need to do, be present and, and you know, get yourself started for the day, the day and then, you know, you can tend to, you know, whatever else when you're in, like, in a, a good space, um, you know, getting into the habit of that um, because, yeah, otherwise it's, anything can just take your attention. You're like, oh, did you see this? Did you see this? Yeah. You know, so-and-so, like... The distractions, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. be so easily distracted. Um, and that, ironically enough, is like, you know, not living life on your terms, that's living life, like, you know, you're sort of pulled to and fro by, like, just so much information overload at the moment, like, well, there will be, like, with the way that technology and everything is now, but, uh, you know, the same way that, you know, I spoke about, you know, not living life, having that honest conversation with mum and everything, you know, under those expectations, like, I feel like it's very easy to fall into that same trap of being, you know, dragged to and fro by, you know, um, whatever you sort of put it to your attention span. So. Yeah, because we could live our life based on other people's expectations, not just our parents. It could be our boss. Yeah. It could be our spouse. Friends. Yeah, friends, um, other people's opinions. So there's so many things yeah. out there that could keep us from living our best life. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, so this has been such a, a great conversation. So I have a few questions for you. Um, yes. So what motivates you? What keeps you motivated? We um we uh, so we're in our preseason um, phase uh, at the moment. So you're just basically you know loading up for the season. We have these uh, uh, we call them like IPPs. It's like individual like player profiles. Um, and so we have the same conversations you know with our coaches like you know what's your motivation for the year and, and all the rest of that. And I thought about it like one of the cliche I'd say cliche but it is a real motivation as well that, you know, all, all of those please like, you know, your family, your family is your motivation, mm-hmm. uh, which is true. And I put that, you know, I put Victoria for, you know, the last two years. And when we sat um, in a meeting as I was speaking, I'm like, what? Like, it, I guess it was like, <laughs> now, now that I think about it, at the time when I was listening to a lot of, you know, the less out stuff, like, you know, I knew there was the right conversation to have with Stephen and then, you know, the right conversation to have with Mum. So, listening to the Jay Shetty and the Joe Dispenza, like, podcasts, like, you know, the idea was, like, there in my head, and, you know, I was sat in the meeting, and um, I was like, what's your motivation, like, what's your motivation, like, in a realistic, like, a genuine, actual motivation, you know, for uh, for the rugby, and um, not even just rugby, for, for, for the, you know, the year, like, in Victoria, and, 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 you know, things outside of rugby, and all the rest of it, Um I spoke to my coach when I sat down with him, which was just last Friday, and I said, you know what, like, when I sat there in the meeting, I thought, I look up to other players, like, in the team, like, and you can think of other players in your, so other people in your business that 
um, embody you know these values or these concepts. We had like teammates that just you know so professional, like you know they turn up, you know when you know other other teammates might be down or whatever, and like you know they bring energy to energy to the team and they do all the things that you know when you know people aren't looking, you just know like they're just so reliable and so um, you know. Uh, you can count on them. And there's one of them, uh, he's our most capped player at the club. And that should tell you, like, you know, exactly the place that he operates from. You know, he's like, he just knows that he can squeeze the very best out of himself, like, every day. Like, whenever, like, boys are finishing from training, like, he's always, like, you know, one of the last ones in. You know, he's just doing all of his extras and things and um, ticking all of his boxes. And one of the boys, uh, he's actually just retired now. So when I spoke to our, our, um, our defensive coach, I was like, you know, you look at boys like that and you're like, you know, that's there in all of us. And, you know, family would usually be, you know, motivation. And not, I'm not saying that it is. If I'm being honest, family's going to be proud of you no matter what. Like, whether you do well, whether, you know, you, mm-hmm. you fail at what you're going out to do, like, your family's always going to be proud of you no matter what. What's even harder than that is you being proud of yourself. Like, you can look at yourself in the mirror. They're not going to know if, you know, you skipped the meeting or, you know, you didn't do the best at training. You know that. So, you know, I'd say my new motivation that I've sort of come around to over, like, in the last, you know, week or so um, is just trying to be a person, like, it's being your own hero if you're, um, you know, to be proud of, you know, the rugby player like the, that I can be, like, you know, partner to Victoria, um, you know, a son, you know, to my parents, and uh, like, you know, and a brother to, like, you know, my, my siblings and everything. And, um, you know, you're not always going to get it right, but to know that you're doing it from a place of, you know, uh, honesty and good intention. Mm. Um, and that comes in, like, you know, almost, you know, it comes in all, like, different ways because um, that might be having a hard word, you know, with a teammate, or, you know, it might be, you know, like having a hard conversation with mum. Um, but you know that that's where you're really living. Um, so to answer the question, you know, in that sort of roundabout way, is like that's what now I see, like, I've done a few times. Um, but being conscious of, you know, that's the motivation is to, you know, be the best that you can be every day. And that might sound cliche, but... I found that, like, it definitely, like, challenges, you know, yourself to, you know, go out and, like, look at those people that you aspire to. It's like, what is it? He's, like, the most, he's played the most games for the club. There's no coincidence why, like, he's doing his recovery every day. Like, you know, he's squeezing because you look back in your life and you're like, well, you know, what did I really spend my time doing? Like, you know, just, you know, avoiding things. You know, nobody wants that. You know, to look back and be like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't have done that. I could have done this. Mm-hmm. I should have had this conversation with mum. You know, I should have like spoken honestly with Stephen. Like, um, you know, um, and then like I said, I said I didn't know how to speak to my coaches at the time, so I just left them. You know, mm-hmm. maybe had I spoken to them, they could have, you know, been there to you know support me through through everything. Because like I said, there was all the staff that were there and accessible, but I just didn't know how to speak to them. And that's so, um, yeah, that's I guess you know to. The motivation is, you know, just squeezing the best and like the most that you can. We all we all got the same. That's right. Twenty four hours. Nobody has any more, any less time. Um, 
And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that from like a, a high horse up here, like, you know, but I do that every day. Like, there's so many things that I'm, you know, working through and trying to be better at. Um, and, you know, that's also part of it as well as like not being too hard on yourself. You know, when you do, like, inevitably, you know, um, get things wrong because that's just a part of life. Just, yeah, so. yeah, so the power of presence is what I hear you're saying. Yeah. Is being present exactly. in the day and really yeah. enjoying those relationships in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it's hard to do that if we're not present yeah. in the moment and enjoying um, that moment. And I'm only saying that from, you know, from personal experience that there have been many times where I, I haven't been present because yeah. I'm, you know, so focused on, you know, other thoughts and other achievements or, or whatever. So I would love to hear what is your biggest achieve, achievement to date? Biggest achievement to date? Um, um, say biggest achievement to date. Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me would be a sport-related one, but it's more... So I got named after one of our games. We played in Edinburgh, um, and we stayed the night. And uh, some of our friends from Australia were over visiting, and so had been with them. Then we drove back the next uh, morning back home, and then um, we I had a phone call, and there was a miss 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 call, and I I checked as we parked up, and like oh my god, like it was uh, uh, my so Gregor Townsend, who's he's one of the he's he's in a way now with uh, the British and Irish Lions um, as uh, they're like you know the pinnacle, if you will, um, of um, you know rugby in the UK. That's like the highest honour that you can get, um, you know, as, as a player. So they're in South Africa playing um, at the moment. But Gregor Townsend was the coach that actually signed me um, on the three-year deal. He was the head coach at the Glasgow Warriors, and then he's now the international Scotland international coach. So um, now that I've uh, lived, uh, I've changed rule now that I live in Scotland um, for three years and I'm eligible to represent uh, Scotland uh, internationally to play on the international stage. So he was a coach, uh, the, he's the current Scotland coach and after the game, you know, we drove back. Just as we're pulling up at home, you know, I had the missed call and then I um, <laughs> I looked at the, at the, the phone and I was like, oh my God, it's Gregor calling me and I was like it's either one or two ways it's like you know calling say like you know you're you're either in the international squad or you're out out of the international squad so like I'm like do you want to listen to the phone call she's like oh no I don't know if I want to I was like no this would be either like you've got to share there's any special moments to be able to share um and yeah so I put it on loudspeak in the car and like alright uh Hey, Greg, hey, mate, missed your call. Uh, hey, mate, uh, like, you know, the usual sort of uh, small stuff. And um, this is sort of like, pause and it's like, you know, um, I don't usually do this, um, but, you know, I thought I'd call you, you know, sort of ahead of time to you know, give you a bit of a heads up. You know, we've been quite impressed, you know, with the, the way that you've been uh, playing over the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, we're going to in, uh, include you in our uh, international Six Nations uh, uh, tour. And I was like... It's like, That's awesome. <laughs> the big thing is like, yeah, like, scream, like, scream, like screaming, but like silent screaming and all of the rest of that. And you know, thinking about the um, the the rugby side of things and the international, it's not about that. I 
I hung up the phone and then just everything came back into my head. I was like, I, like, I couldn't even like, I just, I was just, I just started crying. Like just had tears. Of, like I just remember like, like I said, you know, every day like listening to Les Brown, like working, you know, um, um, every day, like, you know, just delivering luggage and all the rest of that. And for the first time, like a confirmation I was like man that is like that is really like you know you say you put into practice you know do your best and God will do the rest like I'd say I was most proud like of myself and just I guess like everyone you know that's had a part to play in you know making you know that moment available because those are moments like you know I don't know you look back at like maybe graduations you know weddings and things that's where like everything just like you know comes flooding back and like I said you know forget about the Sporting side of the achievement, it was just like, wow, like all the adversity have come through, like, like I just couldn't hold back the tears. It was like, man, that's a moment that I won't forget. And like I said, I'm really glad that I put um, I put it on loudspeaker in the car so that Victoria and I can, you know, have share that moment, have, have that memory back on. So, um, yeah, and it was awesome that she got to share that with you too because she was part of the process. Yeah, you know, exactly. She- you know, she- yeah. She was at AAC at the time, and you know, fair, fair enough to her, like she, you know, was you know rightly fed up, you know, with having to, you know, feel like she's getting the short end of the stick, you know, while I'm chasing, you know, my career. Um, so, like I said, you know, proud of like myself, and like you know, they say it takes a village to raise a, a child, you know, and you know, as you said, people you can have a team of support, you know, and having yeah. like two people there, you know, Victoria and Stephen, but um, yeah, that's a. Uh, that's was, just a special moment, you know, just to look back and be like, far out, like, you can really just, you know, achieve whatever you really want to if you just go at it. And, yeah, uh, you have to move forward. Don't, don't give up. And all of yeah. the obstacles and adversary, you know, adversities that you had to overcome at that yeah. moment, I'm sure you were like, it was yeah. worth it. It's it was so, so worth, worth it. Yeah. it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. So any last tips for championing your mindset that you want to leave with with everybody? Championing championing your mindset. Um, I don't say like, um, I don't know, there's a lot that I could say there. Um, I guess the first thing that I would say that comes to, to mind as a heart is like, you know, we're all different individuals, like, you know, that's the type of person I, I am, you know, like I said, I, I wanted to study, you know, uh, psychology, you know, and I did for a little bit um, in, in university. So that, you know, whole mindset side of things like that sort of come, came, I was always quite like uh, intuitive about that or intrigued about that is what I'm mm-hmm. thinking of. Um, and that might not be, you know, everybody's like, and everyone's different. That might not be like, you know, what other people find natural or, you know, um, so you have to find, I'd say like, you know, what works, you know, for you, because what works, you know, for you or for Victoria might not necessarily work for me. Um, but, you know, you do know how to, um, the people that you have in your life, like, you know, you do know, like, if uh, they want the best for you or not. And, um, I think those are the people that, you know, you really, um, you hold close to you mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you, there's other people that are going to be able to help push you towards where you, you know, where you want to, but, um, just find, you know, whatever works for yourself. And that's, you know, uh, it might sound a bit, you know, um, a bit vague, but, um, you know, 
once you do and you understand, you know yourself, like, just keep at it because you say you have two, two decisions is what you said, you know, earlier is like to either, you know, go for things or to, you know, or to not and you know, live your life uh, on, on other people's, you know, um, terms. Um, so find whatever works for you and, you know, keep changing it until, until you do like realize like, you know, what resonates with you. Um, and then just keep going like whatever it is. Like if you, you know, want to like, if you love sport or like, you know, you want to get into business, you're an entrepreneur, like whatever it is that you, you know, you want to do, it's hard. Mm. It's not easy. Like it, it's hard. It is hard. But, you know, like um, Victoria told me the saying is like, you know, you choose your heart. Like, you know, you can either go for it or, you know, you sit back and, you know, think what if. And that's a conversation that, you know, Stephen had with myself. So that's why, you know, I allude to if you have people in your corner that, you know, you can really trust and that know who you are, those people you hold on to and help, you know, um, like Stephen did for myself and, you know, Victoria. Mm. Um, like, just go at it. Like, whatever it is that you... Uh, you, everyone out there wants to do um, is, you know, you know yourself like the type of person that you are and um, whatever works for you, but just you know, get, get it all. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Ratu, thank you so much. I mean, I have, I, I was actually, I don't know if you saw me, but I was actually taking notes as we were talking. Such a, yeah. <laughs> such a, such a great interview. And, you know, I just want to recap um, some things you know, for you guys to carry with you on this interview, you know, Ratu said so many amazing things for, you know, championing your mindset. But, you know, truly for him, it was, you know, plugging in that less mile. So whatever that is to you, you know, he listened to it every day. So listening and putting positive things in your mind is, is really going to help with that those neural pathways and, and helping with yeah. that neuroplasticity to create some, some new mindset changes. And secondly, he, um, he made the decision to live his expectation and not the expectation of anyone else, which is so courageous at 21. If I would have only had that opportunity at 21, you guys. And so now is your time truly just to live your life, make that decision to live your life for your expectation and not the expectation of other people. Um, you had some amazing people that were just surrounding you and believing in you. You had two amazing people in your life that were, mm. were believing in you. Some of us just have one person, mm. but it doesn't matter, you guys. It, every successful person has one person, maybe mm. more, but one person who truly, truly believes in them Carry that with you. Carry that with you because that's truly all that you need. And, and lastly, one thing that I love that Ratu said is find what works for you because, yeah. you know, there are, there are books out there that teach you ways to really have that champion mindset. There are podcasts that teach you ways to have that champion mindset. You can meditate. You can do yoga. You can pray. There are so many different things, but what is it that works for you? Because we can give you our keys to success, but those may not be the right ones for you. So such a beautiful, beautiful, inspiring interview. And you guys, I just want you to know from my heart of hearts, I believe in you. That's why I'm doing this podcast. I want to be able to breathe life into people and share with you whatever it is that you want to achieve in this world. It's possible. 
There will be some obstacles, there will be some challenges, but if you move forward and you do your best, God will do the rest. And I took that from Ratu as well. Um, so yeah, so such, such amazing things. And lastly, I just want you to remember that if you want to be a part of our private Facebook group, Deanna's Diamonds, just go to my website, DeannaHeron.net and click on the Facebook icon and I can add you to that group. I am doing a challenge for the next month and you can participate in this challenge. And here's the challenge for you. The challenge is if you go rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast, take a screenshot of what you have rated and reviewed And you can DM me or you can tag me on Instagram and I will put your name in for a drawing for a 30-minute one-on-one coaching session with me. So in the month of August, you have, I believe, four opportunities to do that. So we will be doing that weekly. But you have to tag me so that I will know that you rate, reviewed, and subscribed. So it would be an honor for me to spend that 30 minutes with you. So if that is something that you desire, just uh, tag me on that. So you guys, God bless you. Have an amazing Tuesday, and I look forward to seeing you next Tuesday. Take care, everyone.